Have you ever wondered why cats purr? Or if they might have their own secret language? Pounce into Season 3 of Sleep Tight Science and unravel the mysteries of cats with us. From the wonders of space to the marvels of life, in every episode we tackle kids' biggest science questions. Experience our calmer soundtracks and get ready for more listener-driven exploration. Sleep Tight Science is the perfect bedtime companion for the whole family. Search for Sleep Tight Science wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. It's time to get cozy in bed and listen to tonight's story. Our sleep story tonight is part one of the magic soap bubble. Ned is reading a book about gnomes, fairies, and goblins, and all the other creatures that live in the forest. His book is quite heavy, and the room he is in is quite warm. After a while, his eyes start to droop, and his book slips down. He's sure he's rested his eyes for just a quick minute, when he hears a small, squeaky voice saying hello. Could it really be who he thinks it is? If you are laying down warm and secure in your bed, let's start with taking some deep belly breaths. If you aren't in bed yet, or maybe you are just taking some time to relax, that is okay too. Take a slow, deep breath in through your nose, as big a breath as you can, and as slowly as you can. Then slowly let the air out through your mouth. Try it again. Take a deep breath in, and let the air slowly flow out. Take a deep breath in and now out. If you haven't already, consider closing your eyes or you can look at a spot above you. Imagine you are lying on a fluffy white cloud. It lifts you off the ground and into the sky. You are free to float and relax. Let your body sink into the cloud. As you imagine yourself floating, continue to take deep belly breaths. If a worry comes into your mind, Just let it float away like all the clouds that are surrounding you. Continue using your imagination like this as long as you'd like, as we continue 
with part one of The Magic Soap Bubble. Ned had been reading a very interesting book about fairies and goblins and how these real, unusual little folk inhabit dense forests and lofty mountain caves and lead a wonderful life apart from the homes and cities of men. The book was very large and heavy, and the afternoon was very warm, and the big armchair in which he was curled up was so comfortable that after some time, he let the book slip to one side. He had just closed his eyes for a moment to rest them when he was startled by a little squeaky voice at his elbow. He opened his eyes with a start and saw a gnome standing on the windowsill just in front of him. Yes, there was no mistake about it, it was a gnome, for he had seen his picture in the big book he had been reading just a moment ago. Indeed, it almost seemed as if the picture itself had stepped out of the page from between the covers. So exactly a duplicate did the little man appear. Hello, Ned, said the little squeaky voice again. I say, hello. You ought to know me well enough by this time to answer since you've been reading about me for the last hour. Hello yourself, replied Ned, laughing in spite of himself and rubbing his eyes again to make sure that this was not a picture from the book. Can't you see that a fellow is sleepy after reading for such a long time? I didn't think you were coming out of the book to speak to me, you know. Neither did I, retorted the gnome with a funny wink. I came from the forest to invite you to take a little journey with me through Gnomeland. I am the king of the gnomes, and my subjects have told me how interested you are in reading about us. So, I have come to take you for a trip through our kingdom. I know you will love to see all the wonderful things you have been reading about. Will you come? Indeed I will, said Ned. Then follow me, replied the gnome. Ned jumped through the window after the little fellow, who ran swiftly down the walk and across the fields to the forest beyond. As they neared the brook that ran through the meadow, the gnome paused. Taking from his pocket a clay pipe, he stooped over and filled it with water. Did you ever blow soap bubbles? He asked, taking a piece of soap from another pocket and rubbing it carefully around the inside of the pipe bowl. Yes, replied Ned, lots of times. Well, you wait and see what sort of bubble I will blow replied the gnome. It was a bubble. But the strangest part of it all was that Ned found himself inside of it with his companion. How did we get inside, or how did the bubble get around us? asked Ned. But before his question was answered, 
Away went the bubble, up in the air, across the meadow, above the little brook, yes, over the roof of his own house, higher and higher, until finally it reached the big high mountain that he had so often dimly seen from the window of his bedroom at home. After circling around the highest peak, the bubble at length safely landed on a rocky ledge. Before Ned could ask how they were ever going to get out, the gnome opened a little door that led him to the outer air. There was a great change in temperature, or else the inside of the bubble was very warm. For Ned began to shiver and shake. Oh, he cried, it's cold. Of course it is. Look, answered the gnome. And Ned's eyes, following the pointed finger of his little friend, fell upon a strange and scary-looking figure. Behind a bank of icicles stood a giant with an immense helmet upon his head, from which hung long pointed pieces of ice. The top part was covered with snow which slipped off at intervals like a small avalanche to the ground below. His beard and mustache were decorated with thin slivers of ice and his shoulders bore epaulets of frosted snow. The cuffs of his great coat were fringed with snowflakes, and altogether, he was a startling-looking individual. In his hands, he held a monstrous bellows, from which he forced out a blast of icy air, which, scattering the snow in whirling clouds, went howling down the rocky ravines. He's the windman of the mountain, explained the gnome, turning to shivering Ned whose toes and fingers by this time were quite numb with the cold. Well, I'd like to meet a hot air man, said Ned, blowing on his hands to keep them from freezing. I'd like to feel warm again. Well then, follow me, cried the gnome, and turning to a big rock, he tapped upon it twice with the toe of his little red boot. In a moment, a door opened showing a pair of rocky steps leading down into the mountain. Be careful, said the gnome, as he and Ned descended the rough flight. Don't slip, for you might fall a long way. Ned assured him he had no desire to fall, but that his feet were so numb, he wasn't at all sure that he might not slip, no matter how hard he tried to be careful. Although it was not exactly dark, at the same time, the light was not enough for Ned to make out everything distinctly. And as the stairway was narrow and the walls dim, he kept his eyes carefully upon the ground. Soon they came to a level corridor and he perceived a dim light in the distance. Where are we going? he asked. But at this point, an iron door stopped their progress. And without pausing to answer, the gnome took a key from his pocket. Inserting it into the lock, 
the door slowly swung open and Ned heard the faint beating of a drum. Sit down, said the gnome, pulling forward a wooden stool, much too small for Ned, but probably just the right size for a gnome. Sit down and wait a moment while I go in search of the Gnome Land Band. I want you to hear them play, and I hear them practicing now. Ned glanced curiously around the strange place. It suddenly occurred to him that he was a long, long way from home. Here he was, deep down in the mountain, in a rocky cavern, sitting on a little gnome stool, waiting for his friend to return. But what if he did not come back? Ned's hair suddenly stood on end at the thought. Going over to the big iron door, he tried to turn the great knob, but his fingers either were not strong enough or he did not know the secret of the lock. Returning to his seat, he made up his mind to wait a while before allowing his fears to get the better of him. This is what every brave boy would do under the circumstances, he said to himself, resolving to be brave. Soon he was relieved to hear music, as the gnome at the head of the Gnome Land Band came into view, and the funniest band that Ned had ever seen. Why, each instrument was playing itself and dancing the mountain tango at the same time. The big drum went bum, 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 diddle, dum, and pranced around on a pair of short, fat legs in red stockings. Two little arms beat the drumsticks on the top of his head, or what appeared to be the top of his head, which was in reality a funny face, which winked and blinked as the drumsticks traveled over the strange little features. Toot, toot went the big yellow horn, as his little fingers pressed in the brass stops that made the notes high or low, or soft or shrill. Over the floor he skipped after the round, fat drum. The cello and the violin came next. The latter ran his bow across his stringed waistcoat in perfect time, while the former twanged the strings that covered his happy face in a jolly fashion. The rest of the band played on themselves beautifully, and the gnome with his baton proved a most capable leader. In fact, the music was so delightful that Ned finally could restrain himself no longer, and jumping up, began dancing around to the tune of, for he's a jolly good fellow. Hey ho, hey diddle do, down in the mountain deep. Fiddle and drum, title thee dumb, are doing the leopard leap. Just then the music stopped, or rather, the musical instruments paused to take breath, and Ned sat down again, wondering what would happen next. In a few minutes, the round, fat drum commenced to beat. Left, right, left, right and the Gnomeland band fell into line and marched slowly down the long cavern until it was out of sight. As the last drum beat died away in the distance, 
the gnome turned to Ned and said, Come, let's go quickly, for I am rather hungry, and you no doubt are in need of nourishment also. Ned obeyed willingly, for he had had nothing since breakfast and was now as hungry as a healthy youngster should be. At the farther end of the cavern was an inclined plane, very much like the chutes at an amusement park. Carefully seating Ned at his side, the gnome said, Now, hold tight and hold your breath and hold your tongue. In fact, hold everything you've got, for we are going to take a swift shoot to the bottom of the mountain and you'll find out what the word swift means if you never have before. At this, they began to move, and in another moment, they were traveling as fast as an arrow shot from a bow. The wind whistling by cut Ned's cheek like little sharp needles. His hair stood out behind like feathers on a speeding arrow. They were going so fast, it was almost impossible to breathe. Soon, a tiny light appeared in the distance, and he saw that they were now on a level, although still going at a tremendous rate of speed. In another moment, they shot through the little round hole of light, which turned out to be the opening at the other end, and he and the gnome landed safely on a big, soft bunker of moss in the midst of a beautiful forest. Birds were singing in the treetops and little rabbits were skipping on the soft carpet of the woodland. Pretty flowers sent forth a delicious perfume and a brook close at hand rippled over the pebbly bottom of its bed. Wait, cried the gnome as Ned leaned over to drink the cool water. Wait, I have for you the most delicious drink if you will just wait a moment longer. Ned obeyed and followed the gnome along a narrow path until they came to a small clearing where the blue sky smiled down upon them. In the center of the spot was a monstrous watermelon standing up on end, the thick vine supporting it like a strong round barrel stave. A large wooden spigot protruded from one side and over it leaned a gnome who had climbed upon a vine in order to reach the handle. Ned's little companion lifted a goblin cup to catch the drops of delicious-looking pink juice, which began to drip slowly from the spigot when the gnome carefully turned the handle. Careful now, commanded the gnome, as he handed the brimming goblet to Ned. See that you do not spill a drop of the precious nectar. Good, is it? He inquired, seeing the sparkle in Ned's eyes and hearing the smack on his lips as the last drop disappeared. Pretty good, huh? Better than soda water, replied Ned. Lots better. The little gnome at the spigot smiled. I grew the melon, he said with pride. It's the largest so far in Gnomeland, but next year, I'm going to grow an even bigger one. How do you make them grow so large? inquired Ned, 
hoping he would be invited to have another glass of the juice. Not another drop, said Ned's little friend. A second goblet, and you would be so hungry you could eat rocks. Come with me, said the small gnome guide. We must eat. Ned eagerly followed him, and they pressed forward at a rapid walk until they came to a strange little hut, from which came a most delicious odor of sponge cake. Around the door, or more properly what appeared to be one, but which was in fact but a small opening, stood several goblins evidently awaiting orders from someone. As Ned drew closer, he saw that instead of a hut, it was actually a huge oven in which something very delicious was being baked. Minions, called out Ned's friend. Is the goblin cake not ready yet? Yes, it is, sire, responded several voices. And in another moment, the oven was taken apart and removed from it was the most delicious-looking sponge cake that Ned had ever seen. A soft, warm, brown color made it most tempting to the eyes, and the delicious smell made Ned so anxious to start eating that he could barely restrain himself. Help yourself, cried his little friend, and without a moment's hesitation, Ned pulled off a piece of cake and eagerly started. Be careful, admonished the gnome, as Ned showed no signs of finishing. You may eat too much. Gnome cake, while most delicious, is more filling than that that you would make. But Ned paid no attention. Already, he had eaten a great hole in the cake, and finding the inside warm and flaky, he squeezed himself in. It was much easier to eat the inside as it was softer and the crust had already grown quite hard. He was so busy eating and, I'm sorry to say, so greedy that he did not notice that as he ate away the inside of the sponge cake, the outside gradually grew tighter and the opening which he had made at the beginning of his feast and through which he had crawled became smaller and smaller until finally it closed altogether. When Ned realized this, and it was some time after, I assure you, he was indeed frightened. He pounded on the walls of his sponge cake and called loudly to the gnome, but for some time he heard nothing. Finally, after frantically running around and around inside the huge cake ball, he thought he heard the voice of his small friend. He pressed his ear close to the wall and listened. Sure enough, he could just hear these words. Hold on tight to one side and brace your feet. And the next moment, he realized that the cake was in motion. Slowly at first, but in a few minutes, the great cake ball began to turn faster and faster. Ned was frightened at first, as it was with great difficulty that he kept his body from banging around. 
The greater the speed of the huge mass, however, the less likely there was to bounce about, and he soon found himself literally glued, as it were, to one side. While traveling in this new way, he began to entertain some fear as to what would happen should an obstacle be encountered. And by some strange coincidence, no sooner had the idea come than it was followed by a terrific crash. The crust of the cake ball broke into a thousand pieces, and Ned landed safely some distance from the spot, still clinging to a huge piece of sponge cake, which acted like a cushion between him and the ground. Looking anxiously around after wiping some stray crumbs from his eyes, he saw his little friend, the gnome, running frantically down the steep incline, which, luckily for Ned, had been the cause of his freedom. Finding him unhurt, the gnome sat down on the piece of cake to rest himself and regain his breath before speaking. When he did, however, what he said caused Ned to run quickly over to the brook to look at himself in the water. To his dismay, what the gnome had said was indeed too true. Ned was nearly as wide as he was high. The cake he had eaten had evidently occupied the same space inside of him as it had inside the brown crust. What am I going to do? asked Ned. It's a lucky thing I kept you from drinking another goblet full of that watermelon juice, answered the gnome. Otherwise, you might have eaten the whole cake, and then you might have been twice as large as you are now. I don't think there is anything to laugh at, said Ned, as his small friend burst into a hearty peal of laughter. Of course you don't, replied the gnome. You can't see yourself. If you could, though, oh my. And he again started laughing. Ned waited a few moments and then asked, Well, what are we going to do? Don't worry, Ned, replied his little friend, touched by his good nature and feeling sorry for him. Don't worry. The watermelon juice made the sponge cake swell. All that is necessary now is to take the antidote, and I know where it can be found without any trouble. And that is the end of this part. Good night. Sleep tight.